0: You want a war? You're going to get one. Now get the guns. Welcome back to reliving the war and welcome back to the 29th of June, 1998. We've got WWF Raw's war live from Cleveland, Ohio tonight while WCW Nitro's live from Tampa, Florida. The WWF's King of the Ring pay-per-view was quite the show, with the Hell in a Cell and WWF championship matches still being very fresh in people's minds, so it's going to be fun seeing how the company capitalises on all the attention they received for that pay-per-view. Let's look at Nitro first of all though and see what's happening on TNT. In 18 wheelers on its way to the arena, we have big mother truckers Carmelone and DDP inside. They're coming after Hulk Hogan tonight while also bringing a giant supply of stolen goods to Nitro. If you want to buy a VHS player, see Dallas after the show. The commentators tell us that Carmelone and DDP were on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno, and this road trip was announced on Thunder when Dallas called in from Salt Lake City. So, naturally, the NWO Black and White are getting ready for a fight. Hollywood has spared no expense. He got a great Deal on a set of crowbars and a few big old chains. So the NWO plan on wrecking that 18-wheeler and the faces of Malone and DDP. Bret Hart says he and Kurt Hennig want Malone, but Hogan says Malone belongs to Hollywood. Bang DDP, we got something for you. Kevin Green comes out to talk about last week's attack, he says the NWO are idiots and Kevin's good friend Goldberg came out to beat those idiots up. Green says Goldberg's the best wrestler in the world, he's undefeated, and Kevin confirms that he and Goldberg are gonna team up at Bash at the Beach to take on Giant and Kurt Hennig, so that match is definitely gonna happen. Kenyon took on Horace in our first match and Mike Tenay was very impressed with Kenyon's fisherman neckbreaker right here at the opening bell. Lodi provided a distraction and this gave Horace a chance to throw Kenyon into a stop sign on the outside. Kenyon also took a superplex in the ring, Kenyon fired back with a fireman's carry flapjack followed by his updated flatliner. Kenyon wins the nitro opener. The flock launched an attack afterwards, Kenyon fought for as long as he could but the numbers were too much. Raven tells Kenyon that he walks alone, Kenyon stands all alone, being all alone was once an admirable trait but that's no longer the case. Raven hits his even flow DDT, quote the raven Nevermore. and I don't know if I've ever said this, but thanks raven. We see the 18 wheeler again heading towards the arena as Stevie Ray comes out for a promo. Stevie says he has a problem with that pipsqueak Chris Benoit and that ex-football playing no wrestling partner of his, Steve McMichael. Stevie Ray could beat both guys one on one when he wants but brother Booker wants to do it the diplomatic way, so Stevie challenges Mongo and Benoit to a tag match while also saying that Booker T will do whatever Stevie tells him to do. Next we have Eddie Guerrero versus huh, Little Dragon, Ultimo Dragon's illegitimate child? Mistake Dragon? Fans might know Little Dragon better as Dragon Kid, he still wrestles today in Dragon Gate and even at the age of 47 he still continues to innovate. He was trained by Ultimo Dragon and Dos Caras, and he is a wrestler you'll want to check out if you haven't watched his work already, but he didn't get much of a chance here against Eddie Guerrero. Eddie had Tiny Dragon beat and he was gonna put him away with a frog splash, but then Chavo shows up with Pepe, Chavo's very own hobby horse. Pepe's one wild Mustang. It's a big bucking Bronco horse. He's an animal! Chavo wants Eddie to pet his horse but Eddie would rather destroy it, the distraction leads to Little Dragon winning the match with the schoolboy, and Eddie gets revenge by beating up Little Dragon with Pepe's torso. Chavo ends up getting Pepe back, he wants to know what Eddie's problem is, and it all ends with Eddie chasing Chavo back up the ramp while Chavo rides Pepe as fast as he can. I absolutely love this storyline. Backstage Chris Jericho tells Ultimo Dragon to beat Dean Malenko tonight, if Dragon can complete his mission he'll get a shot at the cruiserweight championship, sounds like a plan. Next, we had the Jan vs Sumo Fuji and Judo Suwa in a 2 on 1 match. These two are also students of Ultimo Dragon, so Big Daddy Ultimo was getting his boys some work tonight on Nitro. The Jan comes down with Kurt Hennig and Rick Rude, and the Jan annihilates Ultimo Dragon's boys, it's complete destruction. The lads have no hope at all, and it ends with a double choke slam. Kurt Hennig says Kevin Green's a football player that wishes he was a wrestler, if Kevin wants to step into Kurt Hennig's sport then he should step into the ring right now. Green walks out all alone, he waits on the entranceway as Kurt continues to talk trash, Green then hits the ring as Goldberg arrives to provide a little backup, but the NWO guys leave before Goldberg can get his hands on them. The crowd reaction to Goldberg, by the way, was absolutely phenomenal. Hollywood Hogan then comes to the ring and he says he used to hang around Port Tampa beating up truck drivers, uh, Okay. so when Carl Malone drives up later, Hollywood promises to make him famous. Hogan's gonna use his pythons to break a few necks tonight and Hogan tells us all what that's gonna sound like. The NWO's in the back waiting for the, quote, stinky broken down truck, don't call triple A, the NWO's gonna service that 18 wheeler. Malone embarrassed himself in the finals, he embarrassed himself on Jay Leno, if you can't beat Rodman on the basketball court then you have no chance of beating Hollywood in the ring. The big question is though, why does Hulk Hogan have splooge all over his body? Vince McMahon kicks off Raw with a WWF title presentation, on Nitro, Sting and Flexi Lexi take on Jim Neidhart and the British Bulldog, oh yeah. Vince has put on his best shoes for this one, the title belts in a display case in the middle of the ring, and Vince is happy that we've got a new WWF champion. Vince says this is a new era in WWF, it's all about respect and dignity, it's a giant breath of fresh air that's cleansed the company. The new champion doesn't drink beer, he doesn't say naughty words. He's a role model, a champion for the new millennium. I give you! Role model Kane and Studley Paul walk down to the ring, and Paul Bear says that no one will ever understand how much this means to his son and himself. For 20 years, Paul watched his son dream, he would watch the undertaker wrestle and he said he wanted to be just like his big brother, but Paul would tell Kane that he could do better than the undertaker, so tonight for the first time, the undertaker stands in the shadow of his little brother. Vince takes the title and he says he's honored to place the championship around Kane's waist, but the glass shatters and Steve Austin walks to the ring. Austin says the stipulation of last night's title match was that the winner would be the man who drew first blood on his opponent and that big son of a bitch Kane did not bust stone cold open, it was The Undertaker. Austin makes fun of McMahon's shoes before demanding a rematch tonight, and Mr McMahon hesitates of course. He ends up saying it's okay with him if it's okay with Paul Bearer, completely passing the buck on to studly Paul. Paul's afraid to give Austin the rematch, so he says it's okay with him if it's okay with the WWF champion. Austin tells Kane to have some guts, he's still living in his brother's shadow seeing as The Undertaker handed him the championship last night, and Kane has to be wondering if he's really better than both Austin and his big brother. So for the last time, Austin asks for the rematch, and Kane nods his head, we've got ourselves a championship rematch tonight on Raw and Vince McMahon's not happy about it. On Nitro, we have Luger and Sting teaming up to take on Davey Boy Smith and Jim Neidhart and oh, oh boy, it's hard to ignore at this point, the bulldog has seen better days. Jim also doesn't look so good when the two get in the ring, it's actually really sad to see at this point. Neidhart and Luger go for a body slam counter spot and it's not great is it? The anvil gets knocked at the outside, he takes his sweet time before tagging in Davey. In Lex tags in Sting, tomato face ponytail Sting. Davey is so so slow, he takes a shoulder block and a hip toss before heading to the outside where the match completely stops once again, and even when Davey gets back in the ring, there's more stalling and very little action. Don't get me wrong either though, the crowd absolutely love cheering for the stinger. Davy says he wants Luger in the ring, we get more stalling when Luger poses and Davy decides he doesn't want to fight anymore. Jim Neidhart comes in to flex his beard, according to Larry Sabisco, Sting comes in to flex his… uh, face paint. Jim shoves Sting away and Sting replies with a clothesline. We get some basic heel tag team wrestling when Neidhart distracts the referee so Bulldog can choke Luger out. A double clothesline leads to Anvil and Luger struggling to get to their corner, but we end up with Sting and Davy Boy in the ring. Davy takes a Stinger Splash, he tries his running power slam, but Sting counters with a Scorpion Death Drop. This was awful, absolutely awful, and also it was pretty sad to see. The days of Davy Boy chin locks are over. Saturn takes on Reese over on Nitro, while on Raw, Darren Drozdov takes on a new WWF superstar who just signed with the company. I'll go over the Nitro match very quickly, Big Reese's limited edition double chocolate stumbled around the ring as always but given credit where it's due, this press slam while on one knee looked pretty unique. Reese then applied a backbreaker submission that failed to excite fans in the arena but they woke up a little when Saturn brought the big man down with a kick to the knee followed by a missile dropkick. Saturn then takes care of Lodi on the apron, and then he performs a Death Valley driver on Big Peanut Butter Cup. It looked as clean as a whistle, too. Unreal. Unfortunately, the exact same thing that happened to Kenyon happens to Saturn. The flock launch an attack and it ends with Raven once again cutting a brief promo. Raven says it's Saturn's fault as a child that he was unpopular, and it was Saturn's fault as a child that his dad used to beat him up. Bit harsh, but okay. Raven says friendship's a two-way street. All Raven would do is give to Saturn, and all Saturn would do was take, take, take. So take this! Sable comes to the ring after draws his entrance to read an announcement from Mr. McMahon the company's proud to have signed one of the greatest superstars in the world to a WWF contract, and that superstar is Steven Regal, and there he is, pretty awesome. Jim Ross puts Regal over by saying he's won over 60 championships in 24 countries, but then all the focus goes on Sable. Sable joins the commentary team and the discussion's all about Mrs. Merrow and not about this new signee. Now for all you hardcore grapple fans out there, Sable was extremely popular so you can't really blame WWF for focusing the camera on her. Popular assets, but I'll also say that maybe the commentators could have gave us a bit more in regards to Steve Regal's history. Jim Ross wants to know about Sable's relationship with Vince McMahon and why Vince brought her back to WWF, and Sable won't answer. Jerry Lawler, meanwhile, is being his usual pervy self. During this match, it was announced that The Undertaker's going to cut a promo later because he has a confession of some sort, and we're also going to see the beginning of a unique tournament tonight named Brawl for All. <laughs> Can't wait. Regal gets vicious in the corner. Draws takes a few knees to the face. Regal applies a chin lock. Is able to provide some brilliant insight into this match, and the crowd simply aren't getting into this bout at all. They're pretty quiet for this one. Regal applies chin lock number 2 so this new signee is gonna feel right at home in WWF I'd imagine. Draws fights back and he hits Regal with a suplex, he then tries an aerial attack but Regal stops him and he performs a double underhook suplex from the top rope. Regal then applies the Regal stretch while headbutting his opponent and Regal wins his WWF debut match. Regal wrote in his book and he said in interviews that he was not in the right state of mind during this first WWF stretch, he had a lot of personal demons stemming from drug use, he was also out of shape in the eyes of the WWF higher ups, so he would get one more match the following night, a shotgun dark match against Tiger Ali Singh, and then he was sent to Dory Fung's camp to get in shape. We wouldn't see Regal wrestle again until November later in the year, and in the end he wouldn't even last until December, it's one of the most disappointing runs in WWF history. Ken Shamrock cuts a promo on Raw while El Vampiro takes on Brad Armstrong. Yes, it's El Vampiro, not Vampiro. Before the Nitro match, we see the 18-wheeler getting closer to the arena and the boys are lining up to buy their stolen electronics and bootleg t-shirts. So, old Brothers is back on Nitro to do the job to accompany newcomer. Vampiro seems to be a really polarizing wrestler but we're gonna end up seeing his whole wcw run more or less before the end of the reliving the war series. Vampiro lands on his feet following a monkey flip but he ends up taking a clothesline, he fires back with a reverse enziguri and a spinning wheel kick, and the commentators aren't sure if they should call this guy vamp, vampiro or el vampiro. Armstrong gets in a few strikes but the match comes to an abrupt end when vampiro performs a front spin kick, he then puts brad away with his nail in the coffin finisher or the Shinoku Driver, and it's another successful debut this week for another new superstar. On Raw, Ken Shamrock says, it's good to be king. He's competed in many fights in his career but competing in the king of the ring was one of the hardest things he's ever had to do and yeah, I believe you Kenny boy. Shamrock gives credit to The Rock, he stepped in the ring to do battle with Shamrock like a man and even though Ken won't forget about the chair shot to the face and all the times Rock screwed Ken over, Shamrock says The Rock's a warrior. Owen Hart comes out and he tells Cam to shut up. Owen won the King of the Ring a few years back, and Owen still considers himself a better king than Ken Shamrock, so Owen wants Shamrock to have some guts and face him later on Raw. Shamrock remembers that it was Owen who broke his ankle, so the challenge is accepted, and Owen can expect a lot of pain when he steps into the ring with the world's most dangerous man. DX's theme music then plays, and Triple H walks out along with China. Hunter says these two girls can't have a match to decide the King of Kings without involving Triple H, the winner of Last year's tournament. So Hunter wants a triple threat match. Shamrock confirms that Owen and Hunter want a fight tonight. And Hunter says Shamrock catches on real quick. So Kenny Boy says if these two have the time, then the ring's the place. The match is going to happen later tonight in the War Zone. You better have some tissues at the ready. Here comes the Disco Inferno and das Big Yeah, yeah, yeah! Big yeah. My God, my God, it's happening, folks! This is not a drill. Alex Ride in Disco Inferno versus Tokyo Magnum and Shima Nobunaga on Raw. Mark Merrill versus Steve Blackman in a Brawl for All contest. It's absolutely hilarious that WCW Nitro countered the quote tough man contest on raw with Disco and Alex Wright teaming up, so good. This is Shima, as in Dragon Gate Shima who also appeared in AEW a year or two ago, he's another Ultimo Dragon trainee, You know, we should call this episode WCW Nitro, Special Dragon Edition. And yeah, we all know Tokyo Magnum from last week but my god, this week he really makes an impact, he dances alongside Alex and Disco, almost showing both guys up with his sick moves. He rips off his trousers, he thrusts his wee bratwurst in front of disco, and Alex isn't having any of that shit so Tokyo gets kicked and thrown out of the ring. Shima soon follows, and we get more dancing from the team that would become known as the dancing Fools. Alex Wright shows this Shima jobber how to wrestle, he uses his left leg for a little assistance during a takeover, Shima counters a hammerlock with a big snapmare and Alex then takes a dropkick. Alex fires back with a ridiculous European uppercut and then Disco comes in for some double team action. Tokyo Magnum comes in and he gets the better at Disco, staying one step ahead and pulling off a face buster, but Tokyo can take on both guys at once and we see more excellent double team moves from the greatest tag team on the planet. Alex misses his vaulting splash, so Shima and Disco come back in and again Shima is pretty impressive. He pulls off a springboard forward senton that stuns the inferno long enough for Magnum to tag back in and pull off a top rope Frankensteiner, but Tokyo dances after the move, and this lets Alex Wright perform a missile drop kick, and that's where this match ends. Disco and Shima come back, in, Disco performs a facebreaker. Alex then tags in, and he performs a neckbreaker. And the team of Wright and Disco win via pinfall. After the match, Alex isn't too happy that Disco's music's playing in the arena, so the production guys switch it over to Alex's theme. The two argue a bit. The music changes back and forth, but this is just a slight disagreement from the greatest alliance in the history of all. Mankind. Keep these two together, WCW. You've now got a license to print money. After the match, Magtanay attends another mid-card barbecue, and I'll be serious here. My heart went out to this little guy. He was so nervous and he was getting himself worked up before answering Mag's question. But the kid done well. He thinks DDP and Carmelone are gonna win a batch at the beach due to their strong work ethic. Good man. Mag Tanay's quickly becoming King Barbecue though, isn't he? <laughs> JR better watch out. Right, Brawl for All. I've talked about this before in my earlier awful videos. I know everyone hates it, I know it shortened careers, I know fans in attendance chanted, We Want Wrestling, and yes, I would prefer to watch wrestling matches when I decide to watch a wrestling show, you know? But I also like watching dudes fight. Every guy in this tournament agreed to be in, except Dan Severn. Severn was a stand in for round one because someone pulled out and that's why he didn't compete in any other matches. But do keep in mind that the competitors willingly went into this, they had a choice and many guys also refused to compete. Russo gets a lot of heat for this tournament and again, I would prefer to watch pro wrestling, if I wanted to watch shoot fights or tough man fights then I'd watch something else, but I'm not gonna turn the channel if two men are willing to fight each other for prize money. Sorry, but that's just me. Three one minute rounds, 5 points for most punches per round, 5 points for a takedown, and 10 points for a knockdown. Get knocked out, you're history brother. I'm going to keep my own Brawl for All scorecard for every round and I'll show you how I scored it versus the judges' scores, because if I remember correctly, some of the official scoring was way off the mark, in my opinion. We're going to see how much of an absolute unit Steve Blackman is here. He takes Merrill down straight away, so that's 5 points already. Golden Gloves boxing champion Mark Merrill swings and he hits a few flies before getting taken down again. He then lands 2 body shots, but again he's taken down by Big Stevie Cool. Merrill then gets punched in the face as the crowd chant boring, Blackman performs another takedown before the end of round 1, and it looks like Blackman has Mero's number big time here, Marvelous Mark is getting totally so I scored that one as 4 takedowns for Blackman, so 20 points for Steve, and most punches landed to Merrow, so that's 5 points for Marvelous Mark. The WWF think Blackman landed the most punches but I don't think he did. Round 2 begins, the two get in a punch before Blackman performs a double leg takedown, Mark gets a little intimidated next as Blackman cuts his fist back, and there's another takedown as JR brings up the fact that a skilled wrestler will always beat a skilled boxer. Mero then lands an uppercut and Blackman replies with a big right hand, Steve takes Mero down again as it seems less and less likely that Mark can win this thing, Mark knows he needs to go for a knockout so he gets in one last punch before the bell rings but Blackman's on his feet so I scored that one 15 points for Blackman and 5 points again for Mero for the most punches. In the final round, Mero gets caught again with another takedown, Blackman misses a few wild swings but he's able to instantly put Mero down with one more takedown. There's two more takedowns in total and during the final moments Mero got in a couple of punches but that's the end of it. I've got the same scores as round 2, so in total I added 50 points to Blackman and 15 points to Mero. Blackman's then announced as the winner of of this first round match. We don't see the official judges scorecards at the end, so that's pretty annoying, the two men show some camaraderie before leaving the ring, and you know, this also completely messes up the current storylines WWF had going on, what with Blackman not getting along with Mero and all that, but there you go, the first ever brawl for all match is over and fans absolutely hated it. Backstage, Double K wants to know why Kane agreed to this title match tonight, Kane says he gave Austin the rematch because the Big Red Machine's a better champion than The Undertaker ever was. Kevin Kelly once again had to leave the dressing room to change his underwear. McFoley also makes an appearance here during this interview but this is the only time we're gonna see him, he really deserved the night off after what he went through at King of the Ring. We've got Venus versus Dick next on Raw, on Nitro we've got Dragon vs Iceman. I'll make this quick because there's still a lot to get through this week. Remember Jericho said earlier that Dragon would get a title shot if he wins against Malenko? Well, Dragon won, Malenko got the better of his opponent and he locked in the cloverleaf, but then Chris showed up holding a microphone, he says the cops are here and they want to arrest Dean for imitating a wrestler, and then he says this… Hey, isn't this Tampa? Isn't this where your father is buried? Uh. Huh? Dean chases Jericho back up the ramp, so Ultimo Dragon wins via out. Ultimo Dragon is now the number one contender for the cruiserweight belt, and he's gonna get his title shot on WCW Thunder. Over on Raw, one of the most memorable storylines of the Attitude Era begins, for better or for worse, when Val Venus goes up against Dick Togo of Kantai. Yamaguchi san brought his wife to Raw tonight, and she's sitting in the audience. Val Venus likes what he sees, and you just know this absolute dirtbags gonna go after another man's wife, what a dirty dog. As Togo pulls off a corkscrew senton, Dustin Runnels joins the commentary table and he wonders if JR and the king realise the opportunity they have, the opportunity to spread the word of god to millions of viewers every week. Dustin asks the king if he's a born again Christian and Jerry says it's none of Dustin's business, this isn't the time nor the place, Dustin reads Ezekiel 25:17 and he directs it at Val Venus as Val gets planted with a DDT. Dustin then says, "God bless the king and Jr and he leaves so is Dustin Ronalds now being positioned as a born again Christian heel? That's pretty interesting, I guess. Val wins with a money shot, he then goes out to creep on Mrs Yamaguchi again but Yamaguchi-san gets in his face, Val gets slapped, Yamaguchi gets shoved while all three members of Kayantai take chair shots to the head and Val then goes back to creeping on Mrs Yamaguchi, she doesn't seem too thrilled about this but we'll see what happens. We also see Edge in the audience here and he too was creeping on Mrs. Yamaguchi. Triple H vs Owen Hart vs Ken Shamrock takes place next on Raw, on Nitro, Harlem Heat battle, Chris Benoit and Steve McMichael. On Thunder this past week, Benoit was seen talking to Arne Anderson about reuniting the four horsemen but Arne had no interest it seemed. We didn't get to hear the full conversation because the sneaky cameraman wasn't so sneaky and he got caught out by the enforcer, so it seems right now that AA has no interest in conducting any further horsemen business for as long as he lives, and that's a shame. Stevie Ray demanded that brother Booker tagged him in right at the opening bell and Stevie seemed more focused on shouting at his partner than actually wrestling the match. He tags out and Booker comes in to do a bit of work with Mongo, and our main man Steve McMichael bumps like a champ after getting hit with a big boot in the corner. Stevie won't let McMichael tag out, the former horseman does get a chance to deliver a big boot of his own, but Stevie catches him and McMichael gets slammed to the mat. Again, Stevie Ray is more concerned about telling Booker T that that's how it's supposed to be done. Booker comes in and McMichael isn't too sure which way to fall after taking the running forearm. Booker then hits his spine buster and Benoit runs in to break up the follow up cover. As all four men fight in the ring, Bret Hart ends up running down and he hits Booker with a steel chair, this leads to Benoit and McMichael scoring a pinfall win, we'll come back to Bret and Booker a little later on but naturally, the outcome of this match has seriously annoyed Stevie Ray. On Raw, Shamrock attacked Owen hard as the Blackheart made his way to the ring, Triple H relaxes on the top rope as Shamrock destroys Owen on the outside, but DX's leader would get involved when the other guys tried to get in the ring. The WWF were now a lot better at producing these triple threat matches and this one flowed quite well. The men took the most opportune times to get involved with each man taking a timeout so the other two can do a little work, as a matter of fact you could tell they were making a conscious effort to keep one man out of the match for as long as possible. I'm pretty sure at one point in the match a fan jumped the guardrail and he or she also rung the timekeeper's bell. You can see the crowd stand up and cheer for a moment and then the bell randomly rings, so maybe someone wanted to end the match early. Watch it, Triple H! The match ends when China pulls down the top rope and Owen falls out of the ring. Just as the Blackheart was about to attack China, Ken Shamrock makes the save and Owen again takes a beating on the outside. While this is all going down, The Rock makes an appearance. He doesn't go after Shamrock, he goes after Triple H. Triple H gets hit with the IC belt and the leader of the DX army gets knocked out cold. Shamrock's able to get in the ring and cover Hunter, Shamrock wins, so the next time Triple H calls himself the King of Kings, you can remind him about this match. Shamrock gets attacked by Owen while the Nation and DX fight on the entranceway, Owen tries to pull off his brother's ring post figure 4 but he can't quite do it, so he does this instead. That, uh, that still looks pretty damn good. We have promos next, The Undertaker speaks on Raw while Scott Steiner is the first guest on NWO later. Michael Cole wants to know why Undertaker interfered in the WWF championship match last night because some fans feel they're owed an explanation. Taker says he owes nothing to no one, but he will talk about why he showed up last night in the main event. Taker says there's no love lost between he and his little brother. There may come a time when the Undertaker and Kane destroy each other and that's fine, but Taker was not prepared to sit back and watch his little brother set himself on fire because he wants to live up to the legend of the Undertaker. So there you go, Undertaker was saving Kane. he did what he had to do. Vince McMahon appears and he says no, the reason The Undertaker helped his little brother was because Taker would have an easier time beating Kane for the belt rather than beating Stone Cold Steve Austin. Vince thinks that The Undertaker thinks he can't beat Stone Cold. Vince says The Undertaker's the most vile and evil individual that the devil ever placed on earth and Undertaker gets warned, hell hath no fury than what the Phenom will find if he interferes in the WWF title match tonight. On Nitro, Eric Bischoff debuts His new talk show, NWO Later. He's even got his own set and his own band. Brilliant. Scott Steiner's the first ever guest. He takes his seat while pointing to a vein on his bicep, saying that that vein right there is as big as some people's arms. Big Papa Pumps in top form tonight. The Big Papa Pumps in town! And he's ready to pound! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's about as good as this gets, unfortunately. The two talk about Card Malone and Steiner says Dennis Malone's a fraud. Yeah, he said Dennis Malone. He calls himself the mailman but he hasn't delivered on the court, especially when up against Rodman. Steiner says that he's got a guy who looks as good as Big Papa Pump looks, and this guy is Steiner's co-star in his next movie, another genetic freak, a guy who's just as big of a star as Scott Steiner, but he won't reveal who it is. Instead, Scott promises to bring this this guy to Nitro next week. Next week's show by the way has been advertised for weeks, WCW are looking to break records by holding Nitro in the Georgia Dome once again and I think most of you guys know what happens at this show but regardless, you don't want to miss reliving the war next week. More brawl for all action next, god help us all, giant robot monster vs Bradshaw, on Nitro, Booker T cuts a promo. So, this whole tournament was put together because Vince Russo was tired of hearing Bradshaw talk like a tough guy backstage. That's right, other guys are fighting because Russo wouldn't step up to Bradshaw himself and do something about it. So, all Mr Russo wanted to see was a big bully get knocked down a few pegs, and Mark Canterbury aka Henry Godwin aka Cyborg Justice 1 is just the man slash android to do it. The bell rings for round 1, ding ding and oh oh boy. Blackman and Mero had a little discipline at least, these two are just throwing punches and hoping for a knockout. I don't know what to say here, Bradshaw's definitely landing more punches and robot monster's definitely taking more punishment. Mark goes for a takedown in the final seconds but he can't get Bradshaw off his feet, so I'll give 5 points to big bully balls for round 1. Bradshaw looks absolutely exhausted after the first round but he doesn't take a seat in his corner. Round 2 begins and once again the robot's on the back foot. About 20 seconds in and Bradshaw almost knocks Mark out and he goes for the kill, but the hog farmer stays on his feet after taking a few hard shots. Mark again tries a takedown, he survived the onslaught but he's not going to lift Bradshaw up, it almost looks like Mark wants to get out of there as the bell rings to end round 2 and yeah, that's another easy round for Bradshaw. The crowd chant boring and Goldberg as round 3 begins, and Mark has changed game plan, he manages to take Bradshaw down and if he can do this 2 more times he'll at least draw with Bradshaw. As hard as he tries, he's not able to do it, Bradshaw gets in a few right hands at the end of the match and that's gonna be an easy win for big Justin Hawk, no idea why I bothered with a scorecard here. So there you go, mid-Carters trying to legit knock each other out on Raw, more to come next week. The Nitro promo's short and sweet, Booker T comes out and he wants to challenge Bret Hart to a match, and I'm 100% behind that idea, the best Bret could hope for at this point was solid matches against guys he's never worked with before because he might as well just forget about that world belt for now. So Booker wants a piece of the hitman and of course Stevie Ray doesn't like that idea Stevie would prefer to handle this the old Harlem heat way By jumping Brett like he's standing on a street corner and giving him a good old slap across the head Booker wants to do it the right way though he wants it in the ring And Stevie thinks his brother's, quote, crying like a sissy Bret Hart comes out Go it. ahead and ask me Wait a minute. Booker says he'll put up the TV title against Brad, and Brad says Booker can put up whatever he wants as long as he doesn't start crying after losing the match. Brad says Booker's gonna step into the ring with the best technical wrestler in the whole world of wrestling. So if Booker wants a fight, the Hitman will see the champ in San Diego, the location for Bash at the Beach. Brett walks away, and Stevie's annoyed that Booker didn't attack Brett when he had the chance. Backstage, Hogan's a bit annoyed that Malone and DDP didn't show up, he thinks the truck broke down or maybe they got held up at McDonald's drive through or something, but Hogan lightens up and he says he knows what to do, looks like Bischoff and Hulk are planning to head back down to the ring to drop some proverbs on an unsuspecting audience. LOD 2000 promo next on Raw, what else can WWF do to undermine these two? And on Nitro, ah yes, Goldberg vs Glacier. So Hawk and Animal get in the ring and they say they've got a big surprise. There was once a man who saw success in these two punks from Chicago, he's the man who brought the road warriors to the pro wrestling world, the man who helped Hawk and Animal win all those title belts, it's precious Paul Ellering. Paul comes out and JR says he thought Paul was dead. (laughs) So Sonny is gone my friends, apparently due to a painkiller addiction and also issues with Sable backstage. Paul Ellering is back and Hawk says times have been tough for LOD recently but they are now reborn with Paul at their side. Paul takes the mic, the DOA's music then plays in the arena, and Paul Ellering introduces everyone to his new team. (laughs) It's the Biker (laughs) Michaelikers. Oh my god. Who did Hawk and Animal piss off to deserve all this? Seriously, what's going on here? Because there simply had to be a story behind all this. The LOD went from dangerous, brutal ass kickers to weekly suckers, and it just gets worse and worse every week. And do you know the best part? Do you know the best part? It somehow gets even even worse, it gets so low and sad that people would complain about the upcoming storyline. Speaking of low and sad, here comes Glacier ready to get his frosty ball smashed into tiny ice cubes by Billy Boy Goldberg. In all seriousness, and I know, this is rich coming from me at this point, but in all seriousness, Glacier gets a bad knee injury here and he ends up on the shelf until November. Keep it together. It's the rolling leg lock that messes Glacier up, and give him credit, he finished the match and he didn't tell anyone he was hurt until he got backstage. He lays in a few kicks in the corner, but Goldberg scoops him up for a big old slam. Glacier then gets speared into another dimension. Goldberg performs the jackhammer, and Bobby Heenan says the undefeated streak is now at 105. Goldberg defeated Finley in a Thunder Dark match, but WCW didn't count this for some reason, so they've undersold themselves a little. By R W account after including the Finley match in this Glacier match, Goldberg is really at 106 wins and 0. We wrap up this week's episode with Kane versus Stone Cold Steve Austin on Raw on Nitro. Hogan and Bischoff cut a promo. Hulk Hogan's all annoyed that DDP and Malone didn't arrive on time. He spent all that money on crowbars and chains, and now he's gonna have to go through the hustle of getting a refund. Hogan says he and Rodzilla are gonna take it out on their opponents at Bash at the Beach, but what Hogan didn't know was that Malone and DDP just pulled up to the arena. The NW are waiting by with their chains and crowbars, but all it takes is for the 18 wheeler to get a little close and the boys run away. All that talk and they didn't do a thing. Hogan continues the rip into DDP and Malone in the ring, unaware that the babyfaces are heading into the arena holding steel chairs. They get inside the ropes, they bang their chairs together to get Hogan's attention, Hogan sacrifices Easy e and Eric gets thrown out of the ring, and the crowd lose their minds as Carl Malone squares up to Hulk Hogan. They do build this up really well and I know celebrities in wrestling generally get scoffed at but the reaction here is undeniable. Malone and Hogan lock up and the mailman delivers a body slam. Malone then hits Hogan with two clotheslines and Hollywood ends up falling out of the ring, and DDP says that Hulk just got slam dunked punk. Dallas says it's a shame Denise Rodman couldn't be here tonight, and Malone thinks there should be an open invitation for Rodzilla to attend Nitro next week in Hotlanta. DDP and Malone are gonna be in the Georgia Dome, and Malone says at Batch at the beach, size does matter, Alex Ride wholeheartedly agrees. Here we go then, WWF champion Kane defends against Stone Cold Steve Austin. Austin's laser focused as the two get in the ring, they throw punches with Stone Cold getting the better of Kane and the crowd pops when Austin brings it to the corner but Kane counters and the WWF champ takes control for just a moment. Stone Cold fires back with a clothesline and he drops a few elbows on the big red machine, he then goes for a stunner but Kane backs off before retreating to the outside. Austin throws his opponent into the ring steps twice, there's a few guardrail bumps too as JR reminds us that Stone Cold can't win the WWF title via count out. When the competitors get back in the ring, Kane chokes the rattlesnake out in the corner, again though the champion can't maintain the advantage at all. Stone Cold pulls off the Lufez press and it's almost like Kane, the WWF champion, is the underdog in this match. Things change though after Austin tries to shatter Kane's ankle, the big red machine forces Austin out of the ring, and from here the devil's favourite demon's gonna do what he does best and that's dominate his opponent. Austin takes the bumps at the ring steps in the guardrail this time, Kane stands on the challenger's neck as the crowd try to get Stone Cold back into the match, back in the ring Austin takes a chest first bump in the corner and he's forced out of the ring again after getting his face raked, and on the outside Paul Bearer hits Stone Cold with his smelly shoe. Kane saves Paul from a stone cold beatdown, and the match gets back inside the ring for a big red chin lock from the WWF champion. The Undertaker has ignored Mr McMahon's warning, the phenom walks down to the ring and for the first time in a long time, some fans are booing The Undertaker, Back in the ring, Kane lands his top rope clothesline. The Undertaker watches on as Kane applies chin lock number two. Austin gets to his feet, he walks right into a choke slam from Kane. Kane then goes for his tombstone pile driver, but Austin counters. Kane goes for a big boot, Austin counters again. We see a stone cold stunner, and just like that, Kane loses the championship. Austin is WWF champion once again. The Undertaker gets in the ring but he ends up getting distracted by Paul Bear. this gives Austin the opportunity to hit another stone cold stunner, so Austin's just made a statement, he doesn't care at all about the Undertaker and he's not afraid to go after the dead man after what happened to King of the Ring. The really interesting part happens though when Kane and Undertaker sit up at the exact same time and they look at each other without fighting, it's almost like they're standing united in the ring as Stone Cold flips them off on the entranceway. Austin may be WWF champion again but he might have also brought the brothers of destruction together for the very first time. Raw wins reliving the war episode 140, William Regal's debut, the absurdity of the brawl for all tournament, and the continuation of the King of the Ring main event drama spilling over to Monday night made Raw a must see show this week. Super creep Cart Malone did get the fans going crazy on Nitro and I did enjoy seeing Ultimo Dragon's trainees, Nitro was also pretty good this week but you're gonna have a better time with Raw, especially if you watch King of the Ring. Raw's now on 66 points, Nitro's on 58 and we've got 16 ties. Raw scored a massive 5.4 in the TV ratings thanks to the intrigue the King of the Ring pay per view brought from the previous night, Nitro stayed on a 4.1. Next week we have one of the most monumental and one of the most replayed episodes of Nitro in history, it's the big one from the Georgia Dome, in history gets made in Atlanta so whatever you do, don't miss it. On raw we have the return of Mabel, my god, we also have this moment right here that draws more heat nowadays than what it did back then, and we'll also hopefully learn more about this possible Undertaker and Kane reconciliation. Join me next week and we'll do it all over again. Thank you very much for watching guys, I do appreciate it, and take care.